Nightmerica is an independently produced podcast. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash nightmerica. And please tell your friends about us. Welcome to Nightmerica, a podcast that takes you on a tour of the abnormal, paranormal, weirdly true, and truly weird in every corner across this nation. Because, to paraphrase Ray Parker Jr., whether it's ghosts, aliens, monsters, or monstrous humans, there's something strange in your neighborhoods. Episode 23, Lighthouses, Beacons of the Paranormal. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Because they're lighthouses. And they shine a light on things. Anyhow, I'm Aaron Sagers, co-host of Nightmerica, Child Channel's Paranormal Caught on Camera. As always, joined by my colleague brit we're now gonna you can just jump in there i know but i never know what you want to do you take like as we know the most pregnant pauses ever so i never know where it's gonna go it's delivery anyhow how are you i'm this fine well we're recording this on an august afternoon pretty hot it's hot man it is brutal i had to wait outside at trader joe's today for like 20 minutes before I could go in and it was like in direct sunlight. I think it's worth noting for anyone that doesn't live in New York City that's listening to this. I as I've mentioned many times, grew up in Florida. Florida Did you grow heat, up in Florida? Love it. Yeah, I've mentioned this a couple of times. Um don't we haven't really covered where you've grown up. Uh but hasn't been brought up before. But the Florida heat, obviously hot, humidity, yes, but I love it. I love it. New York, August is way worse than summer, I think, anywhere else. Well, at least worse than Florida. Totally. Have we talked about this on the yep, podcast? Yeah, we talked about it Am last episode. Like yeah, we that, talked about it last episode, old man. Yeah. 
just telling the same stories over and over again. But it's relevant because that's how I feel because it is hot. It's rough today, guys. I hope you guys are indoors and it's cool and you're comfortable. Well, they might be listening to this in January or February. It's true. Anyway, I hope. I hope they're comfortable. Yeah, however you listen, I hope you're comfortable. We wish you all the best. Yeah. We just want you to be comfortable. <laughs> we, you know, like we'll fluff up a pillow through the I'll, power of audio. I'll make you some tea. Nightmarica. Yeah, Nightmarica is your cozy cup of tea. Nightmarica is the audio pillow fluffing that you need in your life. So, anyhow, uh, before we get into our topic, let's hear what's going on in the world of weird news. What uh, what are you what are you checking out this week? What what headlines are you bringing to us? Lay it on me. The, I'm picking up what you're throwing down. Do you have anything else to say? Probably. <laughs> I'll just keep rambling unless you dive in. The headline I found really funny and weird this week actually takes place not that far from us over in New Jersey. Um, a man by the name of Robert Burge. He was 25 years old. Okay, get this. He was facing a one-year prison sentence for stealing both a Lexus and a truck. But he didn't want to serve the one-year sentence. So he decided to try and outsmart everybody by faking his death. So he made himself a death certificate. And I saw it online. I got to say, it's actually, like, super convincing. Except he made a typo where it says issued by the New Jersey Department of Health, Vital Statistics and Registry, he misspelled the word registry. Uh, So now not only does he have his one year sentence for uh, auto theft, he now has an extra four years for faking his death. So now a five year total, crime doesn't pay, my friends. There's, I've heard, a, I've, I, I have quite a fascination with the topic of faking one's death and have listened to other podcasts about it. In fact, I think one you recommended to me and it, yeah, it normally doesn't work out. It's, it's incredibly difficult to fake your own death. And the other thing is when you do that, something you really have to consider is are you really willing to walk away from it all because that's what's required you have to literally you can't contact anyone you just have to leave because if you're wanted for a crime if you've done something and you fake your own death that means that people are going to be watching looking for you authorities maybe the people you owe money to whatever it might be so so you can't call your mom can't call your best friend you're just like it's done. You have to, and and you're always watching behind you. You're always looking over your shoulder because you never know if that person that saw you in the grocery store and said, "Hey, you look familiar." Are they are they just being friendly? Do they do you remind them of a neighbor, or are they do they actually know you? Yeah, over one year, a one year prison sentence, Robert. Come on. Yeah. He's a dum-dum. He's a dum-dum. What's your news? So, Elon Musk. Oh, Lord. Of course. The, you know, he, I know he's sometimes not a popular person, but I think he's a genius. I think he's a genius. I also he, think there's a very strong 
possibility that he is in fact a robot. I think he's going to probably get us to Mars. But so the SpaceX boss, this was like a week ago. He, he tweeted out a some conspiracy theories about aliens, including stating that the great pyramids of Egypt were built by aliens because... In fact, the tweet was, aliens built the pyramids, obvs. <laughs> and... Which is the kind of language you want a genius who's taking you to Mars to use. Obvs. You want him to sound like a, a 14-year-old. Right. But... So... And he also said that... Yeah, so that the, the pyramids, the technology of to build the pyramids did not exist so obviously it had to be aliens who had done so now this is actually ancient this is this is the stuff of ancient aliens mm -hmm. this is a pretty popular theory amongst fans of this topic that you know that the the technology slaves could not have moved these giant blocks it was coming or originating the stones in the pyramids originated from far away, couldn't be done. So, of course, most of the people who are tweeting out these kinds of theories don't have the reach of Elon Musk, who received, at last count, 533,000 likes and 93,000 retweets, I believe. Wow. Or at least uh, the topic, topic was trending as well. So, but, so that was about a week ago, but then that led to... Egypt's Minister of International Cooperation, Rania Almashat, responded on Twitter saying she invited him, saying, I admire your work. It's very classy of her. Invite you to explore the writings about how the pyramids were built and to check out the tombs of the pyramid builders and invited him to Egypt. Hmm. Also, something that I think maybe as a result was that these builders were not slaves. They actually were Egyptians, sometimes conscripted in service, but they typically weren't slaves. But, and Musk did later say that he tweeted out another article saying this BBC article provides a sensible summary for how it was done. But I just found this a little bit interesting mm -hmm. that Elon Musk is, is, you know, getting taken to task for saying that the uh, the Egyptians didn't uh, build the pyramids there was and the other element there which I kind of found funny is so Egypt was pretty pissed off the the one woman Rania was pretty classy about the whole deal but Zahi Hawass is a guy that I actually interviewed many years ago he's an Egyptologist an archaeologist and former antiquities minister of Egypt and he got a little bit cranky about it and called Musk's theory complete hallucination. And, um, you know, especially, I guess he was sensitive about it because Egypt has recently reopened the pyramids for visitors and they're taking quite a financial hit right now. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't need he doesn't need trouble in the form of Musk. Yeah. Tweeting out these conspiracy theories. What do you think? So do you think that aliens built them? I would say there was a pregnant pause for you. I think 
that it would be quite possible for extraterrestrial terrestrial life to visit Earth in our past. And I think that it's pretty likely. Now, did hmm. they build the pyramids? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised, especially because there are similar structures around the globe, mm-hmm. like the Great Pyramids of Egypt. Maybe they just... Maybe they just provided some some tips here and there. Maybe they were like, well, we're, you know, we're not going to build these for you. That would be lazy of, you know, of you guys just to let us build it for you. But we will help you build it. Sort of like science project with your parents where they're like, we could do it, but instead we're going to give you the tools and some advice to make it happen. But we're talking about people that were like freaked out by fire and science. Like how would they respond to aliens coming in? Probably treat them like deities. Yeah. Probably view them as deities. In fact, I would argue that maybe they would be less freaked out because they were sort of in the mindset to expect that kind of thing to happen anyhow. Oh, that's a very valid point. Things coming from the sky, whereas we would lose our collective crap. Yeah. A lot of people, not me, I'm ready for it. But I think a lot of people would freak out. Do you know where that's from? I have absolutely no idea. You know that. (laughs) I didn't know you didn't know that one. It's Star Trek. Oh. Do you know who Scotty is? No, that's where they make the hands, right? That's where they make the, yes, the Vulcan uh, symbol of peace and prosperity, live long and prosper. And the main guy, but William Shatner. Montgomery Scott, well, yes, he was Captain Kirk. And they used his and, face for the mask in Halloween. Yes, well, they altered it, but yes, yes, they did. You can find some graphics on it, on sort of what the original looked like as well. But Montgomery Scott was the chief engineer, and he would teleport people. So when you say, beam me up, it's teleport. You know, well, you're ready to be beamed. Trans- transporter. I'm just, I think my life as a nerd and reading all this weird stuff has made me less shocked about when things actually happen. So, anyhow. So, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. That's So, there we go. Well, we're going to dive into the topic. And, interestingly... So the topic's lighthouses. I was, I've just literally come back just today from my road trip to Cape Cod where I saw lighthouses, lots of lighthouses. I know. I saw it on your stories. How was it? It was pretty great. It was also just sort of a nice little synchronicity that I knew our topic was going to be lighthouses and suddenly I was seeing lots of lighthouses. So these are, these are important structures. These could literally... A lighthouse keeper could guide someone in, save their lives during a storm, during a dark night, ward them away from rocky uh, cliffs and shores and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So these are not only um, incredible to look at, they were important structures. Yeah, they really shone a light on the situation. Oh, that was good. That was good. And any favorite lighthouses in your life? I have been to, I've been inside one. I went inside the Big Sur lighthouse in California. 
Um, which actually I, in researching for this episode, saw is haunted, but I couldn't find enough of a story to make it work. Um, but then growing up in the Midwest, I saw tons of lighthouses on the shores of Lake Michigan. Um, we would go to uh, Holland, Michigan and Saugatuck, and they've got a ton of really gorgeous lighthouses up there. The, yeah, I mean, there's like so many stories of hauntings surrounding lighthouses. Mm -hmm. For me, the one I'm going to talk about is actually my favorite, but there is one in Florida called the Ponce Inlet Lighthouse, mm -hmm. and I think it was at one point, if not still, the tallest lighthouse in Florida, but did you, have you seen the movie The Lighthouse? No, but actually uh, with, I almost Willem watched Defoe it last night. Just preparing for the... Yeah. It's weird. It's it's enter entertaining as all hell, but it is... It's, and it's, it's Robert Pattinson? Trippy. And Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Hot... Robert Pattinson, not William Defoe. That's uh, not nice to Willem Defoe. Uh, Someone finds Willem Defoe hot. Great. Well, they can be in your hot tub, but Robert Pattinson's in mine. Wait, Willem Defoe's in my hot tub? He can be in your hot tub. And for those that don't know if we haven't talked about it, I like to play the hot tub game where you pick five people that you put in your hot tub. So. Oh, I don't even think I knew this. Really? I never made you play it with me oh. when we were drunk at a bar. Oh, to be drunk at a bar. Maybe I just, I don't know, but anyway, I I, I would be surprised if Willem Dafoe showed up in my, <laughs> in my hot tub, like especially unannounced. If I didn't invite him and I was just in my hot tub and he's like, "Hey, I'm Willem Dafoe. Can I hop in your hot?" T I would definitely say yes because I wouldn't want to be rude. But you don't want to take up your space. Travel. He's got a creepy face. Yeah, but he seems like a really nice guy. Totally, I mean, I but if I'm cool in a stories. hot tub, I don't want someone to be nice, if you know what I'm saying. I'm not really a hot tub guy, anyhow, because, yeah, it is sort of vaguely sexual totally. situation. And, and I don't know. Can you hear the ice cream truck? No, but I want in on it. Oh. Yeah, you can leave this bit in because it's weird that there's an ice cream truck during a pandemic going down the street. It's very creepy. They're just selling drugs. But drugs, sugar, chocolate covered drugs. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I like Lighthouse. I like the Lighthouse movie. I lost my train of thought. So let's just throw it to our first sponsor and then we'll come back with our story. Brought to you by Manscaped. And to talk about the men's grooming kits, we have one of its fiercest fans, Mr. Lawrence Talbot, an actual werewolf from London. Right, love. Cheers for having me on, although I prefer lycanthrope. The whole WW word is a bit unseemly. Although I should also note I have been an American citizen for a while now. Ah, so that would explain that almost indistinguishable British accent. Anyhow, Larry, I'm surprised you're in wolf form, even though there's not a full moon elf. That's right. Well, I used to view my condition as a bit of a curse, what with all the hair everywhere. But with the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 and its durable skin-safe ceramic blade, which has small teeth, unlike myself... I can be quite the dapper wolf with my crown jewels, if you will, remaining secure. Now I actually prefer to stay in wolf form permanently. Pardon me for saying so, but you have a lot of hair. It must take you forever to groom. Most certainly. 
It takes quite a bit of time. Thankfully, the lawnmower 3.0 holds a 90-minute charge, so I have all the time in the world. And with the built-in LED light, I can even see on a moonless night as I, as I trim my my dolly bits, my undercarriage, my John Thomas. Right, right, we get it. Wolfman's got nards. And with Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0's waterproof technology, you can even clean up in the moors on a rainy English or American night. It's perfectly splendid, isn't it? And speaking of moors, I still do enjoy taking a bite out of the occasional backpacker. But with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, any passers-by that comes close will only smell the aroma of the freshest dangly bits. But don't take our word for it, or even that of a gentleman lycanthrope. Because with the code NIGHTMERICA, you can get 20% off a Manscaped order and receive free shipping. Head to manscaped.com and enter code NIGHTMERICA, and you can check out their anti-chafing boxer briefs, weed whacker nose hair trimmer, and crop cleanser hair and body wash, all from... Wolf Manscaped. No, only from Manscaped. Manscaped, the right tools for the job. Nightmarica is excited to announce we have a new sponsor, Manscaped. And to talk about the men's grooming kits, we have a really big fan of Manscaped. But not a man, a Sasquatch. From the Florida Everglades, let's welcome Skunk Ape to the show. Thanks for joining, Mr. Ape. Oh, Skunk is fine, just fine. That's uh, that's what my friends call me. Even though you're an elusive cryptid, you're able to have a social life? Oh, sure, sure. Wood booger, yeah, we mow, mow, wendigo, mow, galon. We all, we all hang out. Well, that's great. With all those friends, it's probably important to look your best. We take a lot of pride in how we look uh, in the Sasquatch community, especially, uh, since, uh, as you can imagine, there ain't a whole heck of a lot of us out there, so it gets pretty darn competitive getting attention from the lady squatches. So the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped has a durable, skin-safe ceramic blade when you groom your, uh, squatchy regions. Don't you know it? That Lawnmower 3.0 holds an edge, so I'm less likely to nick my nugs. It's happened before, and it ain't pretty. There's blood everywhere. Everyone down in the glades heard me howl out that one time. Whoop whoop! That's what that's what it sounded like when I nicked my nugs, but not with this lawnmower 3.0. Dude, that's intense. I have certainly been there. It is no fun at all. Skunky, I imagine grooming down there probably takes a lot of time because you're a pretty big guy. Well, you know what they say about big feet. Big shoes? Big balls! Yep, right sizable. Sasquasticles. Big old ones. But with them lithium-ion batteries, I can charge that puppy up on the USB dock. I can use it for 90 minutes. It's even waterproof, so I can fire it up in the glades and take a good long time getting my squashticles right where they needs to be. Well, with that waterproof technology, that's got to be helpful in the glades. Or even for a human like me who uses the shower. Is the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 getting you noticed down there? Only in the right ways. All the lady squatches, or, or men, no no judgment, they take notice. But I can still stay hidden, because with that quiet stroke technology, it does not make a lot of noise and attract unwanted look-a-loos. And that's a very important part of the squatch code. You gotta stay undercover, you know? I can even groom up my squashticles in the middle of the night, because it's got an LED light on it, so you can see where your Patterson and Gimlin are. 
Some memorable pair. And speaking of memorable pairs, you also like the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Well, you might have heard I have a bit of an odor issue, hence the nickname Skunky. And with the Florida humidity, uh, I can smell pretty darn ripe down there. So I use that Manscaped Ball Deodorant to, to make the squashicle smell fresh as a daisy and the ball toner to freshen up when skunk turns to funk. Maybe we should start calling you flowers instead of skunky. Well, skunky, if you or your Squatch Buddies or any listeners out there want to groom safely and who doesn't, head over to manscaped.com and enter code NIGHTMERICA for 20% off plus free shipping off your order. For one more time, that's... Squatchscaped. No, no, it's not. It's Manscaped. Manscaped, the right tools for the job. And we're back. And have you found your train of thought? I did because a lighthouse <laughs> brought me back to the topic. Bang. And let's hear your tale of illuminating tale of lighthouses. Excellent. So I'm headed to a state this week that I don't think we've been to before. Um, you might have seen on our social media, I actually made a map on Google Maps that shows all of the points of where all of our stories are. Um, so you can kind of see there if you're looking to suggest the story to someone. And I noticed we haven't been in Maine. And I am doing the Seguin Lighthouse, which is one of Maine's oldest lighthouses. Um, you're nodding. Do you know the story? I actually don't oh, know yay. the story. I'm, I'm nodding in encouragement Great. to to say, all right, awesome. let's go Maine. Let's go Maine. My brother-in-law's from Maine. It's a great state. Hey, Dave. Um, so it was built in 1795 uh, on the Seguin Island, which is south of the Kennebec River, like at the mouth of the river. Um, lighthouses always have keepers, as we know. Um, sometimes it can be a single person. It can be a group of people or even a family, but it's a very lonely life. Um, we talked about the lighthouse movie, which I haven't seen, but I'm sure they showed on there. And then the light between the oceans. Um, I've also seen, it just seems like a very tough existence. Uh, you're alone, your groceries come in from a ship like every so often. In this case, it's the 1800s. So there's no phones or internet. So it's lonely. Um, legend has it that uh, in the 1800s, one of the lighthouse keepers in Seguin cracked. Uh, it's a well-known urban legend in Maine. Uh, it's hard to find exact evidence or corroborating facts since it's kind of an older case, um, but many lighthouse keepers stayed on site there for around 10 or more years, which is a very long time. Um, but there's speculation that James Marston is the one at the center of the story because he was only there for like three or four years and the keeper that followed had two assistants and there had not been assistance at this lighthouse prior to this incident so that's just some little internet sleuthing i've done um so the story the keeper lived on the island with his wife who fell into a very deep depression being so isolated. Seems very easy to understand. He wanted to help her feel better, so he had a piano and sheet music delivered to the island. She started picking one song from the book and practiced it 
constantly, all day and all night. And this constant practice had her mastering the song in no time. Well, now, of course, the husband is like, uh, hon, do you want another book of sheet music? Because imagine only hearing like one song forever and always. Um, yeah, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Over and over and over and over. It's brutal. And over. And over. Uh, shockingly, she refused. She loved the comfort of the routine of this song, which is understandable when you have depression or anxiety. You feel comfortable in routine. Um, but her ha- husband was like not having any of it. And he was driven mad one night by isolation and repetition. And he took an axe to his wife's piano. He absolutely hacked it apart. And when he was done, he then turned on his wife and gave her the same fate. Um, He finished the job, probably like snapped out of it a little bit, um, realized what he did and hung himself on a rope in the lighthouse. Legend has it that they were found because a boat crashed into the island because the light had gone out and no one was there to fix it. Um, And the previous lighthouse keeper had been called in to inspect the situation. He got onto the island, into the lighthouse, and saw this horrible, tragic scene before him. Now, the visitors that see the island claim to hear the piano music, the same song that she would play. Um, Only they go inside the house and, of course, find it vacant and, of course, no piano. Uh, They also claim to hear screams picked up in the wind as they're standing outside. That's got to be so creepy. Um, And some tourists even say that they've seen like a vision of a man carrying an axe across the property. According to their website, seguinisland.org, in 1985, so many years later, the lighthouse became decommissioned. And a warrant officer was sent out to pack up and ship out any remaining belongings on this property. He was packing all day and decided to spend the night before wrapping up in the morning and sailing off. Um, However, he was woken up in the night by a figure dressed in workmen's oil skins, which is like overalls that are covered in like oil or wax to protect from the elements. Um, And it was this creature, man, vision, whatever, was violently shaking him. And so he woke up and the ghost said to him, don't take my furniture, leave my home alone. And this man went back to sleep. Are you sure it was a ghost and not someone that was just squatting in the lighthouse? I mean, like, it to- literally, please. It totally could have been a squatter. Who knows? But he went back to sleep. I can't fall asleep if I hear, like, a rat scurrying between the walls. And this man was shaken by a ghoul. So. I mean, I hope you're not dealing with rats scurrying between the walls. Not here, but in Frequently. my childhood house growing up, we had rats. We called them uh. Jock and Gus. They were very cute. I fished one out of the washing machine when it got stuck once. Okay. We shared a string cheese. Um, anyway, so this guy goes back to slate. And then the next morning, the furniture was being put on the boat. And as the engine turned on and it went to sail away to the mainland, the boat sunk. 
with all the belongings. Guess should have listened to the ghost. You should have listened to the ghost. Always listen to the ghosts, my friends. Um, well, not always. No, I guess not always. But, but like a lot of times, they probably have good shit to say. Uh, the three sources that I got uh, my information from was Lighthouse Legend, Week and Weird, and then their website, the Seguin Island website, seguinisland.org, has a lot of really good information. Um, they have like a full database of all the lighthouse keepers and the assistants and the dates they were there. So I found it very interesting. So you guys can check there for more information. But that's the Segwind Island Lighthouse. That's a good story. The The things that jump out about that story is, first off, similar. To, so that movie, The Lighthouse, is really based on sort of that loneliness and, and how, I guess they're called wikis. The people that were oh. light, lighthouse keepers are also known as wikis, which I like that, yeah. that label. But the isolation, the solitude, how it can just bear down on your your sanity. I would also say the the repetitive pattern of of certain activities because you're constantly maintaining and doing certain actions in a lighthouse, in particular, like going mm-hmm. up and down the steps, like that could potentially lead to a residual haunting in theory, but the piano, the ax, all of that has the great makings of a, of a ghost story. And, and I mean, it's worth also, it's interesting that this notion of the romanticized, but also kind of haunting notion of lighthouses is such that Edgar Allan Poe even wrote about, well, it was his last work that was called the lighthouse before he died in 1849 he didn't didn't finish it but it plays into this paranoia the isolation all these themes that are reflected in your story mm-hmm. and so i think that that like is a great classic lighthouse story mine actually goes in a little bit different direction oh yay and let's pick it up right after a word from another sponsor Think things are bad now? Well, it could be worse. Don't believe me? Just read Dead Run, the new sci-fi thriller from author Mike Maddox. A mysterious force is taking control of people's bodies and making them run to stay alive. And if you can't keep running... Now, this is the ad copy, so I'm reading the ad copy because it says, if you can't keep running, you blow up like spaghetti left in the microwave too long. Not a good scene. Mm-hmm. It's a very messy. Situation. And it's got to have marinara sauce because then it kind of looks like blood. Right, and this the pasta itself would be sort of Ew. look like viscera. Ew. And except in a microwave, but at least in a microwave you're contained. The the explosion is contained. Yep. It's a messy microwave to clean up. But if you're running down the road and you can't keep can't Black. run anymore just splat you're just and then you're all over your friends and the other apocalyptic pals you do not splat on me and in an apocalypse you don't have easy access to soap water Mm -hmm. i don't even know if you can stop running long enough to like shampoo and and bathe after your friend your your pal is just blown up on you anyhow (laughs) i mean this is really i think selling the book anyhow the story follows a group of weary travelers as they make their way through a hellish landscape 
where there's only one rule. Run or die. This is Dead Run, and other than being chilling and scary, it will also perhaps inspire you to eat the right kind of carbs and jog every day just in case this apocalypse hits. So check it out. It's available exclusively on Amazon Kindle. It's only like three bucks. It's well worth your three bucks. And read Dead Run by Mike Maddox on Amazon Kindle. So my story is really about, it's kind of a personal story too, but because this is about the St. Augustine Lighthouse in St. Augustine, Florida, where I, St. Augustine is where I attended undergrad at Flagler College down there. And the, even as a child, whenever we would visit St. Augustine, this, this lighthouse was this icon something that was really it was really something that stuck in my in my memory so this is some people call saint augustine the mona lisa of paranormal locations and it's because there are so many great ghost stories that come out of saint augustine the more than 400 years worth of history it is old by united states standards it was the, the town itself was established in 1565, as the and it is the oldest continually inhabited settlement in the United States. Founded as a Spanish colonial outpost, 55 years before the Pilgrims even landed on Plymouth Rock. So, old by U.S. standards, and also supposedly, in 1513, Juan de Ponce de Leon visited Saint Augustine, looking for. The Fountain of Youth. I don't think he found it. I know. But you can go to a tourist attraction that's the Fountain of Youth and get some cool tchotchkes there. But in 1763, this is where the lighthouse part kind of comes in. So we had this. We had Spain, the Spaniards, and then Britain at different times hold control over St. Augustine. So started out as a Spanish colonial outpost in 1763, the British held control over St. Augustine and the British vessel, the HMS Industry, sank in the waters below this original lighthouse. So the lighthouse that stands today is not the exact same lighthouse as that. However, a version of the St. Augustine lighthouse has existed since 1586. The original St. Augustine lighthouse was known as the earliest permanent aid to navigation in the continental United States of America. So as far as lighthouses go, it was kind of a big deal. But it was eventually claimed by the ocean due to erosion. Mm. And, it, and it's actually a submerged archaeological site to this day. Oh, that's cool. You can so like, the lighthouse, dive and see it? Um, I think, I don't know if just anyone can, but archaeologists can and so i don't know whether or not you could can you scuba dive i can't okay so you can't oh right (laughs) so maybe before we go on a submerged archaeological expedition learn how to swim baby steps (laughs) but the the lighthouse that's there on the grounds now was built in the early 1870s so it was actually built before the other one was claimed by the ocean 
and it stands at the north end of Anastasia Island, which is about 500 yards from where the original lighthouse was located. And in addition to this sort of colonial history during World War II, it was actually a training guard, training ground for the Coast Guard, and even served as a lookout post for enemy ships and submarines looking up for, you know, Nazis coming across the waters. It suffered a fire from an unknown arsonist in 1970 and in 1986 there was rifle fire from some unknown shooter that damaged the lens and it underwent some major restoration but now it's the same lens in operation and it still works so on the grounds of this is not just the lighthouse tower there is the tower itself built in 1874 there's the 1876 Lighthouse Keeper's House. There are two kitchens that were added in 1886. There's the 1941 Coast Guard Barracks, and then a garage that was a Jeep repair facility during World War II, so that was built in 1936, I believe. And the site is currently a National Oceanic, Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration weather station, NOAA. Uh, that information comes from Wikipedia, by the way. So, there within this site, there is the Lighthouse Archaeological Maritime Program, aka LAMP, <laughs> which is go guys for for that one. That's great. It's actually one of the few research organizations in the nation that employs these marine archaeologists and conservators. So that's uh, at least that's not part of a university or government agency so lamp is pretty well regarded research organization with these full-time marine archaeologists and they have found artifacts from that british vessel the industry and they display that in on the grounds in the museum of the saint augustine lighthouse they also display remnants from a 1782 british vessel and they also show muskets, military badges, tools, various other artifacts. So, okay, all these old artifacts, obviously a lot of history. What are we leading up to? It's this Mona Lisa of paranormal sites. This this idea that it is, I guess it was Ghost Hunters, the TV show that first called it that. The, as a paranormal location has been on Ghost Hunters twice both the original version and then the revamp of season of Ghost Hunters. It's been on BuzzFeed's Unsolved Supernatural. It's been on Travel Channel's Most Terrifying Places in America. It's considered one of the 10 best haunted uh, destinations by USA Today. But let's get into some of the activity. So the original, one of the first lighthouse keepers was a man by the name of Juan Andro. Andrew? Andrew. He fell to his death while painting the tower. And Juan was actually the first Hispanic American to serve in the Coast Guard. So he's notable in that way. And he was responsible for lighting the one that was built in 1700 and, and then also dealt with this one. And he has been supposedly seen 
during one of the visits from ghost hunters now in paranormal circles paranormal reality tv circles this is like a big deal a, they captured an apparition on film that many people believe to be this old lighthouse keeper's Whoa. ghost still watching over the lighthouse. It is a very distinct movement in the tower. It is this this really solid piece of apparitional evidence. Some people believe it's Juan Andro. And, and I actually, I want to backtrack a little bit. He did not take care of the 1700 lighthouse. He was dealing with the 1859 lighthouse but so he died and interestingly this is just kind of a, a cool little side note after he died his wife took up the mantle and took up the job to take care of this lighthouse get a girl and she assumes the watch as lighthouse keeper and she was actually not only the first Hispanic American woman to serve in the Coast Guard, but also the first to command a federal shore installation. What's so her name? Maria Andro. Maria Andro. Hero. Her appointment. Her appear, appointment came after Juan's death on the job, and actually, the St. Augustine Examiner in 1859 said that uh, there was support for her taking over this position, which is kind of cool. Like normally this would be a political mm -hmm. appointment, I guess, and perhaps people would have different stakes in the job, but the community came together and really supported this. Interestingly as well, so Maria was was left with six children to raise. So it's, I mean, this woman was busy, but also in the article that talks about her taking over this position, it kind of gruesomely describes his death and says, he, quote, first struck the roof of the oil room about 30 feet oh below, God. whence he glanced off and struck the stone wall, which encloses the lighthouse, and thence to the ground, killing him instantly. <gasps> Falling 60 feet. Oh, so, that's a lot of feet. Yeah, while he was whitewashing the tower of the lighthouse. So, Anyhow, so Maria has likewise been seen at the top of the lighthouse. And there is a photo... I find this photo skeptical, but from a romantic standpoint, it's kind of lovely. There is a photo that people believe is Maria standing at the top of the lighthouse, but other people have reported seeing her at the top of the lighthouse in a white dress with her long hair down. There was a former director of the maritime education at the lighthouse, Paul Winglowski, and Paul said that there's a padlocked door at the top of the lighthouse. Now, I've been to the top of the lighthouse, and I think I know what he's talking about. And when you open that, it triggers an alarm if you open that door. And on multiple occasions, supposedly this door was found in the morning with the padlock unlocked and the alarm not triggered. Mm. So, okay, so that's that's one of the stories. Let's go to the keeper's house basement. Supposedly, there was a keeper or assistant to the keeper that supposedly hung himself, hanged himself in the basement of that. And this was just years after the completion of this current lighthouse. There was also a keeper named Peter Rasmussen. And he is a man who has been seen in a blue suit lurking in the shadows. Creep. And... And if it is Peter, 
some people who have seen him, who, if this is Peter Rasmussen, uh, he was a light keeper from 1901 to 1924. Apparently, Peter was the longest lighthouse keeper ever at the at the lighthouse and was also a smoker and supposedly hated tourists. So he was well, a bit of a cranky it? guy. He's a bit of, well, I mean, you know, I say welcome in, welcome them in. So he was a bit of a cranky guy and he apparently hangs out in this creepy corner in the lighthouse. There are also, and you can also supposedly smell cigar smoke when you're in there, which I have when I'm in that room, when I've been in that room, I've, I've been there as a tourist and I've been there on paranormal investigations. I have smelled the smoke. I do think it's worth noting that cigar smoke, cigarette smoke is quite easily absorbed mm-hmm. into very porous walls. So I do think that sometimes that scent is there, but it's not necessarily spectral in nature. This one is a little creepy. Well, sad, maybe not creepy. There's a duo or trio of little girl ghosts that supposedly haunt the location. Now, there was a man named Hezekiah H. Pitty, and he was a superintendent for construction in 1871 to 1874. And Pitty's children, along with an unnamed African-American girl, who they believed to be a worker's daughter, decided to play in a supply cart that ran from the construction site, which was kind of high on the coastline, and it would go all the way down to the water below. So they'd crawl into this thing. Oh, no. It's a cart going down. Well, that's like sort of... I don't like this was going. Yeah. So tragedy struck because the cart was going down, hit a gate, and flipped the children into the water being pinned underneath this cart Mm -hmm. and by the time any help could reach them pity's children two of pity's children eliza and mary and this little unnamed girl were drowned Mm -hmm. had had drowned had died as a result there are stories of girls that are playing games in this area supposedly even playing hide and seek in the grounds of the lighthouse let me do you call it did you call it hide-and-seek or hide-and-go-seek? Hide-seek. What did you call it? I think it? we called it hide-and-go-seek. I think hide-and-go-seek. That's like such a mouthful. You know, we really like to explain what was going on. You hide, and then you go seek. When you were in Florida, you had Anyhow. to explain it. hey oh Oh, Florida humor. Roast. So people listen to us down there. Um, and I'm from there. Shut your mouth. Anyhow, <laughs> supposedly laughing can be heard at the top of the tower late at night and some believe that they've spotted Eliza floating around the grounds wearing the same blue dress she died in. Mm-hmm. Also, speaking of dresses, another person says that they saw a young girl in a red dress and this was supposedly seen in the upstairs window of the lighthouse keeper's house. The person was standing on the lawn, looked up, and saw this. And this, I like this, because apparently the little girl ghost sort of was salty, threw some shade, because after seeing the young girl in a red dress in the lighthouse keeper window, she flipped her long hair over her shoulder and then vanished. I love it. I love that little girl. Yeah. According to BuzzFeed, and I haven't I haven't been able to independently verify this, They a child's footprint made of dirt was once found in the lighthouse keeper's house 
despite the fact that no children had been present on the tour that evening. Whoa. And Lighthouse staff reports that chairs have been moved or overturned and that various items in the gift shop have been moved or missing. Uh, that was certainly something that was re- reported to me when I was there. Mm-hmm. Also, music boxes in the gift shop have been known to turn on by themselves. There's also the parlor of the lighthouse keeper's house. Now, William Harn was a union officer in the Civil War, which I don't know, strikes me as interesting since it's down in Florida. I mean, he wasn't from Florida, but he ended up down in Florida. Union officer in the Civil War. He became keeper of the lighthouse. So this was in October 1875. The lighthouse keeper's house was constructed during his tenure at the lighthouse. And William Harn had this glowing reputation for being a nice guy, whereas Peter Rasmussen was a bit of a, a bit of a character. William Harn was a nice guy. Mm. He had a reputation for hospitality. He would actually serve lemonade to people that would visit. That's so a nice. lot to look. Peter Pete Rasmussen's ghost should talk to William Harn's ghost. Well, yeah, he sounds like a uh, creep just lurking in the corners, being a little gremlin. Yeah. So William Harn died of tuberculosis on in May 31st, 1889, at the age of 55, which is pretty young, especially yeah. after the guy had seen war to, to die of that, which obviously killed a lot of people. So now people report coughing in the lighthouse keeper's house, which phantom coughing, spectral coughing, which, yeah, people associate with his TB. Hmm. So... So in addition to the the uh, going back to Lighthouse Tower for a moment, in addition to Juan Andro's supposed ghost, in addition to Maria's supposed ghost, the tower itself is a very intense space. And you can climb these 219 steps to the top of this 165-foot-high tower. This, this is like this rotunda that goes up this spiral staircase. I don't know. I've always disliked spiral staircases. Why? I find them... I think it's because when I was a kid, I would visit a... I had a, a, a friend who his family, his house had two staircases, and one of them was a spiral staircase. And I was terrified of falling through the slats mm. of the, the open spiral staircase. And when you're going up to the top of St. Augustine Lighthouse... It is rather daunting because you look down this tower and it's like something out of the movie Vertigo where you look and see the spinning spiral going dropping all the way that 165 feet. It is unsettling. And maybe that's the reason why people get vibes there. However, a lot of people, including tour guides, report seeing figures in this tower, like these unearthly figures and reports of shadow figures running up the spiral staircase. And Grant Wilson from Ghost Hunters actually has remained pretty wowed by what he captured back in, I think, 2005, and then they went back and visited the site again in 2019. They also, at that time, they captured these little girl voices. Mm. But this is something that's been reported a lot, and so there might be some sort of influence when people go into a location or maybe it's legitimately that people are experiencing this. There's 
also stories in the woods around this. And this is interesting because this is sort of a new emergence, a new chapter of this ghost story. People saying that they're seeing a classic woman in white in the woods surrounding the lighthouse. So supposedly a lot of strange things happening out there, including giggling heard in the woods, which giggling is terrifying. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Not necessarily malicious, but yes, perhaps unsettling. And me personally, I have seen a figure that I can't explain in this lighthouse tower. What? I have seen what would be a pretty classic shadow figure. And it does follow the pattern that many people report sort of this thing looking over the railing. And you look up and you see this figure. I Mm -hmm. have seen that. And it is striking, but not as striking as this figure that I also saw on one of the landings of the lighthouse, which it's hard to describe. It, I wouldn't call it a little girl, but it looks like a smaller figure wearing a dress, but not of any color. And it wasn't, wasn't, it was not a shadow figure not opaque, not inky black. There was some definition to Mm. it. Almost like wearing a dress with some sort of, I don't know if you would call it overalls or long kind of dress. But this figure, I would almost say, had a (gasps) goblin-esque face. Oh, how do you sleep at night? Sort of like glowing eyes. And fairly small in stature, and how do I sleep at night? It's a good question. I mean, it never really kept me up at night, but it was freaky AF. And it is something, one of those those images that I can easily bring up in my mind as far as seeing. Because it wasn't a shadow figure, it, and I wouldn't call it a full-bodied apparition. It was this other thing, un, like really unearthly in form. And I don't know if it was perhaps... A child just presenting itself in the way it could, and that's how I processed it. Who knows? But that goblin-like face with those glowing eyes that's so stuck creepy. with me. Yeah, of course it did. Yeah, and it was on one of the one of these landings on the uh, on the 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 case because you would you'll go up and then there'll be a landing and go up and there'll be a landing. So wow, something that a a location that's been connected to my life for a long time and then my paranormal life as well and it's yeah it's it's definitely one of those spots that i highly recommend visiting and during normal times you actually can go on a tour and you can investigate it yourself you can set up a private paranormal investigation there so that's cool is that what you did i was there i've been there multiple times throughout the years But I've been there for paranormal events as Mm -hmm. well and for investigations, yes. So it's it's definitely a great place. And it's a good spot. It's a great beach town, too. So go down to St. Augustine, check out all the all the my college. The main building in my college was the the Flagler Hotel, I believe that was a hotel that was turned into a main building. Mm. Notoriously haunted. It became a girl's dorm as well. A lot of uh, women that I know that stayed there said it was haunted. Castillo de San Marco in St. Augustine, 
notoriously haunted. So many locations in St. Augustine. I mean, it was also like a pirate town as well. Francis Drake came through there and it's like one of those those towns, colonial towns that has a little bit of everything and along with a lot of these haunted towns in America, it's like right on the water, like Savannah or mm-hmm. Charleston and places like that. So it's got a lot of great ghost stories, but the lighthouse is are, are my favorite collection of ghost stories in St. Augustine. Yeah, that's super cool. So. so. Well. Anyhow. There's lighthouses. Lighthouses. Shall we pop culture? Pop culture away. Well, in theme of lighthouses, the story that I really wanted to do if we weren't featured in America was the... Eileen Moore lighthouse mystery that happened on the Scottish Island of Eileen Moore. And it just so happened that supernatural podcast hosted by Ashley flowers did a super good episode on it. So this is kind of like a continuation of our podcast today, but if you guys liked it, I highly recommend it. It's like a weird supernatural force possibly killed these three men in 1900 on the on an island outside of Scotland. So it's super interesting. This is very cool. Yeah, it's a true story. Yeah, I need to I need to do a better job of delving into some of the the true stories you've been mentioning. I have a list going that I need to follow through with. Although it's like summertime, so as much as I want to like watch some documentaries and all that i really just want to be outside i know but it's so hot today today's a good day to do it true well mine is i mentioned the first season of the show a couple weeks ago i kind of came to it late the umbrella Mm -hmm. academy well season two is now out and so i've been burning through season two of the umbrella academy which i actually dare say is better than season one and Uh, It's a show about, well, the first season was about these gifted children or superpowered children that were adopted as, uh, adopted by this eccentric scientist millionaire and then turned into a crime fighting team in the past. But most of the show is about sort of them being dysfunctional in their adult lives as a result of really bad parenting and whatnot. Well, the second season takes place in the past, in the 60s, mm. and involves JFK, involves civil rights movement, but also involves, again, their own dysfunction and all that good stuff. So it's a it's a really, and a great soundtrack to the show as well. So I would say check that out. It is really fun, really funny, pretty dark at times, and uh, second season is... is Good stuff. Yeah, it's been getting so a good buzz. Yeah, for a good reason. And it sounds like we've reached the end of another Nightmarica. Mm-hmm. If you like Nightmarica, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash Nightmarica. And consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on social media and share this with your friends. And if you'd like to share your paranormal stories... Or even seek paranormal advice, which is for entertainment purposes only, email nightmericashow at gmail.com.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.